15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. My name is Bruce Reyes-Chow, and this is BRC and Friends. Each episode, I chat with activists, artists, academics, and adventurers to discuss politics, faith, pop culture, technology, and as you will discover, pretty much everything else that pops into our heads. This is basically an excuse for me to hang out with friends and colleagues and riff about things that matter. Welcome to BRC and Friends. Well, welcome to episode 47 of BRC and Friends. It's a podcast where I talk with activists, artists, academics, and adventurers who are committed to making the world a more thoughtful, loving, and just place. Today, I am I welcome a new friend. We just met today, uh, Tyler Sitt. <laughs> Tyler is the author of Staying Awake, the Gospel for Changemakers. Full disclosure, I did not read it, so I get to be kind of that. So like, tell me about your I'm not even going to try to fake it. Um, and I will say that both uh, Tyler and I uh, have the same publisher, Chalice Press. So shout out to Chalice Press, uh, who are obviously putting together a great stable of writers um, and amazing. Hello. Uh, but as we start, uh, what I'd like to uh, invite you to just introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, where you are, and just, yeah, give us who is Tyler. Hey, so uh, my name is Tyler Sitt. I use he, him pronouns. I'm the... Uh, church planter, which means founder of New City Church in South Minneapolis. New City Church is a church that's led mostly by queer people of color, and uh, it's uh, racially diverse, uh, hugely LGBTQ plus um, anti-racist church. Um, uh, I, New City has been in the news more a little bit recently because New City is in the same neighborhood where the racist murder of George Floyd happened. So um, that's hugely part of our story and certainly influenced my book as well. Um, and yeah, I just wrote uh, Staying Awake, The Gospel for Changemakers. It's a book that explores nine Christian practices that support Christians in showing up for justice and staying in the movement. That's awesome. I'm so excited. So we have a little bit of a connection. So I was a, a church planter in San Francisco for 15 yes. years. So that's my main claim to fame. I don't know what that is. So I pastor a more <laughs> traditional church now, but um, that was my, and then I, my oldest child, uh, Ev, who uses they, them pronouns, they are in Minneapolis now, uh, <gasps> actually, which I should have been like, what? Oh, and now I feel bad. I'm like, oh. I love it. But okay, they're moving well. back. They're moving. They are finally moving back home. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think after uh, they went to McAllister and then stayed a few years and uh, after six Winters, I think they're like, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> Isn't it fun? Yeah. Now, did you grow up there? I mean, what, what, where did you grow up there? What's, how'd you oh, get there? I am Minnesota, born and raised, okay? Are you really? Oh, gosh, you guys. I grew up <laughs> next to the lakes and all that. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up in Minnesota. I um, kind of took 10 years away to do kind of the thing your oldest is doing, it sounds yeah. like. Um, and kind of lived all over the world. And then I came back to Minnesota. 
Okay. Now, did you grow up in the church or is that something later in life? Or I mean, how, what, 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 I mean, you're a church planter. What's your, what's your, you know, in a capsule, what's your story? How did you get to this point where uh-huh. screw it, I'm going to do my own. That's basically what we all do as church planters. <laughs> like, well, I just feel like, you may, I mean, I, for me, it was like, I'm going to create a church that I'd actually go to. I mean, that was yes. always my motivation. Yes. No lie. So how did you um, end up where, where, doing what you're doing? Slash, like, if you wanted to put in an order for Screw It, I'm going to do it on my own <laughs> t-shirts. I, I think that could really do we well should. for your podcast. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, so I grew up, um, it, kind of an interesting combination, because I grew up hardcore in the church. Like, I was confirmation, I was choir, I was in committees as a teenager, I was leading Sunday school, for sure. Um, but I didn't grow up conservative evangelical. And a lot of folks nah. who grew up hardcore in the church grew up in like a tradition that perhaps later left a, a really sour taste in their mouth. But I grew up in a, in a very like mainline United Methodist church that showed me a lot of love and a lot of safety. And uh, especially for, uh, from me being a gay Asian growing up in a white Republican town. So I really loved the church and um, felt something there. And so uh, fast forward to me, like I live around the world and then um, I go to seminary at Candler School of Theology in Georgia. And uh, one of my mentors says, you know, Tyler, you kind of have what it takes to be a church planter because you think like an entrepreneur and you pray like a mystic and that's all church planters need. And <laughs> yeah, that's all we need. <laughs> all we need. <laughs> I was, and in you're independently wealthy. Like, and like 501c3 status would also be a great thing to add into that. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but uh, that, that really like set me on a, a vocational path. And so I, I really haven't um, looked away from, from that ever since. You know, I think we're twins. I mean, I'm, I think I'm older. I think I'm older than you, but um, I'm just going to go ahead because yes. I, I too grew up in a, I grew up in a, in a historically Filipino American congregation, sure. Presbyterian in Stockton. And it was all, you know, it was progressive. I didn't know I was in a progressive church until I left and people were like, oh, you're in a progressive church. I'm like, okay, whatever oh. you need to call it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then yeah, you, yeah. and then, and then, right. You hear of all, and I've kind of feel, I, guilt is too strong. I don't feel guilt, but I, I kind of like, Oh, I had a great experience in the church. I, right. Like, I don't, I don't certainly, because I know, like, that's the worst thing you can tell to somebody who's just been in this toxic environment. It's like, well, my experience was great. Like, it's not helpful. At the same time, I'm like, I don't, I had a, I, this is who it's formed who I am. And yeah. so I just want that to keep going. Absolutely. That's, yeah. Wow. That's, that's really simple. resonant. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of like, I mean, certainly New City ministers with a lot of people who have been super burned sure. out from the church. Uh, like, like I'm sure your ministries have, yep. and um, it's kind of like the the way to heal from negative and abusive church, like literally abusive church experiences, is to have positive church experiences and healthy church experiences, not to have zero church at all. Like the yep. the healing is like the other side of that, and um, I think that the people who went before me like really tried to create a healthy experience so that I could create that for other people. Yep. Yeah. I've always found that when, when folks like having to convince people that have ha- come out of that, that experience, that toxic, abusive space, mm-hmm. they're always also waiting sometimes for the other shoe to drop. Right. And I'm like, well, the, like it's yeah. more going to be a sandals going to drop. It's not like, the whole maybe like, shoe. 
like something with a little heel, like a palm. Yeah, like, like, so little... Some, like little things are going to drive because we're not perfect, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we're now like, I just, oh, I feel like we could do a whole session oh, on this, but I want to talk about your book because I do know oh, that sure. that's, a, yeah. yeah. So um, again, people, I'm sorry. We, um, this was somewhat last minute on totally on my fault. So I have not read it. I've sure. seen, I've seen that it's out. So tell me what's your pitch? Like, uh, what tell us you said it's nine practices christian yes. practices right so yes. how did how did it come about you know your standard book question how did you mm -hmm. like why write a book yeah. other than you know i i think people are saying now everybody's written a book and i just don't think that's true as one who's written a book it is hard work <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah like don't just like everybody it's like oh everybody could church plant like that's not true either <laughs> anyway how'd you like why and then, um, yeah, and then what's, yeah, how did it get started? And, um, you know, what's the motivation behind it? And then we'll talk a little bit about it. Yeah, I love that. Um, everyone can church plant. Well, <laughs> <laughs> not in my experience, but yeah. everyone can be part of a church plant. Exactly, exactly. Just maybe not the planter. But um, so I really uh, uh, love the New City community, and I believe in doing theology as a public act. So it's not like, you know, one person goes and decides on all the things that the church believes and then says like, ta-da, this is it. But really trying to, through conversation, allow for the theology to arise from people and from their experience. So um, in my experience of pastoring New City Church, which has a significant, probably 50%, 40-50% queer population, like people of color, that the racial demographics of New City match the racial demographics in Minneapolis almost to the percentage point. Mm. Probably 40% of the folks at New City don't actively identify as Christian. Mm -hmm. so, um, so I'm ministering with these folks, and it's like all millennial and Gen Zers, right? Mm -hmm. Except for my parents, who drive from Chaska, Minnesota, how far is that? <laughs> to show up. But um, as I was ministering in this community, I was talking to a bunch of people who were like, you know, I had thought that I had completely shut the door on Christianity. And now I'm part of this community. And it's like not swung open, but it's like a little <laughs> crack. You know, there's a little yeah. peak open. So who should I be reading? And don't you dare recommend like yet another very eloquent, white, straight, guy who's going to mansplain what Christianity right. is <laughs> like, right. like right. tell me uh, who, who I should be reading. So I uh, looked at my bookshelf and I had a lot of amazing seminary texts that are mm -hmm. written at like yeah. ivory tower level. And I have a lot of memoirs and um, other books that kind of assume that people know what Christianity is mm -hmm. or what the church is about. But I didn't really have like a primer, like a 101 course on what Christianity is about that you know that centers queer people of color. Mm -hmm. So um, so uh, we wrote it as a as a community. I uh, I wrote the bulk of it, and then uh, community members submitted poetry to include in it, uh, testimonies oh. to include in it. We created like illustrations and comics and graphics. Um, so yeah, it's really a, a community effort that is trying to inspire people. Not again, not just as like individuals, but as members of something as people who are part of a whole who are trying to make the world a little bit more like god's liberating love right so um can you run off the nine like and and i'm and i'm where i'm going with this is i'd love to like what didn't get in like what were the pieces are like oh is this like worth 
like, you know, or which ones created the most tension or were the most liberating or like, so what are, what are our nine? So it's a funny story. I mean, yeah. I guess I could just, okay. So yeah, yeah. Um, I always get the order wrong. So I want to worship, you know, where it's the, like, the I worst thing people like, so in your book, you say, and I'm like, Okay, let me go check. Did I say that? Um, just really, <laughs> no, no, no. Because um, I wrote each of the chapters to be able to be read by themselves. Sure. It's not sequential. So, right. like, I don't think of them in order. But, yeah. Right. So, worship, centering marginalized voices, prayer, groups, Sabbath, leadership development, generosity, planting, and putting it all together. Mm-hmm. So, um, like... It's funny because I chose those nine because I'm in community and I see that these are the nine rhythms that are making the biggest difference in people's lives. Yeah. Uh, but as you know, I've been I've been uh, pitching this book around and and talking to other other communities. They're like, well, um, why don't you have a chapter specifically looking at uh, uh, social justice? Mm-hmm. And it's it's mm-hmm. funny because like for for my community and for the, the, for the ministry right. that we're in, social justice is such an assumed yeah, yeah. Part of everyone's lives, like. So why don't you want to have have one on social media? I mean, I know when I started right. the church, and I like, I'm like, well, because that's just what people do. It's not what? like, like, I don't got to teach I have people a thing that on eating sandwiches. I don't yeah. know. I just assume that <laughs> well, Minnesotans that was, are going to eat sandwiches. That was going to be a question: is why there's no sandwich eating chat. But whatever, that's fine. Everybody <laughs> makes the choices. <laughs> You're, you have a question, so you just scratch it off slowly. Yeah. Um, oh my bad. No sandwich <laughs> comments. No sandwich comments. Interesting. No, but I mean, as far as people are always like, what? Are, how do we do ministry with millennials? How do we do ministry with Gen yeah, Z? Yeah. Like millennials and Gen Z care about making a difference in the world. Yeah. And it's not really seen as an option on whether or not the church, the ministry of the, of the church speak to those yeah, uh, yeah. differences that they're trying to make one way or the other. Yeah, we've you know lost I mean. that. We've lost that authority a long time ago which isn't a bad thing mm-hmm. i mean i think it's just forced many like and i'm in i'm in a congregation i love the church i'm serving it's older you know i'm in a stage of my own pastoral career like mm-hmm. i just i'm in my 50s and i'm like in this weird middle i'm an exer mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. wants to be not that but you know no extra <laughs> wants to be like, I'm like uh, but i think there, there is this like tell us how to do it step by step mentality that still exists in a lot of our institutions, For sure. almost no matter how old the people are, right? It's just kind of an institutional DNA. Whereas I'm trying to bring in this, like, well, we're just going to do it, and and we'll 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 figure out how we do that best, and that might change next year, and and that's just such a different, like, like it's yes. How do you program that? How do you systematize? I'm like, well, you 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 institutionalize flexibility and fluidity and right it's like but how do you do that and so i could right so so this book mm-hmm. you're giving um guide like who who's gonna read this like who should be reading this like that uh, is it so should my congregation would it be good for us to be like hey let's take a read of this because it offers us a way to think about being community and church in the world like who are you hoping is going to read it or who's being drawn to it at this point yeah it's funny because i wrote it um, specifically for folks in my ministry, like activist organizers who are going at justice hard and were so on the edge of burnout. And I was desperately trying to say like, okay, here's some spiritual practices. Like, please try to create some like soul work as well yeah. as social justice work. Please, please, please. But as we've been kind of like testing it out in more and more groups, folks who aren't in you know social justice hubs in urban cities have been 
like clamoring for this book because they're saying like, it's so interesting to hear how Christianity can be approached. It's like the same story of Jesus that we're reading from the same Bible, but it's, it's um, speaking to these social dynamics in a way that we haven't heard before in a way that's actually pretty refreshing. So like we really try to do um, like, knowing who we're centering while also being some uh, writing in a way that's like really accessible to people who are outside of it. So if you are like Sally in the white aged congregation and all the church committee talks are about the pipe organ and the carpet color, like this book still has something to speak to you. It just might push in certain ways that it, that it wouldn't for, for my folks. Yeah. But what is Christianity for if not to be helpfully pushed along, yeah. you know? Well, and I've, I've also found, again, I, I, again, I have not read it yet, but I will, I will read it <laughs> and, and buy it because that's what we all do for each other. And yes. uh, so uh, um, I actually, I think there's just a yearning. I think people intellectually know that what's happening isn't working. Right. And, and just right. need some something to hold on to that says, mm. here's another way. Mm, like mm, here's mm. this yearning, this beckoning into something new and different, especially those in a progressive space who I think are, who in many ways are open to that a little bit more, but there hasn't been a lot put out to say, here's what this next iteration of what you've experienced might look like. Right. And it sounds like that's kind of what you might be offering to people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and I think it's funny because um, people from the outside always comment like, wow, it seems like this is a really fresh thing. This is a really new oh, thing. Yeah. Yesterday, I did a, a podcast interview called The Disruptors. And it was looking at people who disrupt the church. And it's like, I don't, I ne- like, yeah, I didn't yeah, intend yeah. to disrupt any, and I'm sure this is something you can relate to, too. Yeah. Like, I'm not intending to be intentionally disruptive. I'm just looking at the community and saying like, hey, this stuff isn't working anymore and we got to make something that does work. And so yeah. it's kind of like more out of um, innovation disruption, not for its own sake, but out of love for yeah. for the people around me and for what God is doing. And I'm, I'm sure you see that yeah. in, in your church but, too. I, I mean, I think those those who take bold steps, it doesn't, it doesn't feel as bold to the person, right? It doesn't feel like so... <laughs> One person's disruption is another person's like, that just totally makes sense to me. That's not really disruptive. Right. I mean, right. I think that there's always that kind of like, oh, and that's how that sometimes that's helped me as I've been like, well, this is obvious. We should be doing this. And people are like, uh, and I'm like, oh, that's right. This, this actually is like 12 <laughs> steps ahead. Right. Or, or right. not even ahead is 12 steps in a different direction than you've ever gone before. So now I get to make a decision as I'm lead. Like it's one thing if I'm leading a community that's like, yeah, let's do it. And then there's another one if I'm leading this community. It's like, can we just take two steps tomorrow and not twelve? Right, right, right. God bless them. And I'm like, okay, we can take. How about three? Can we do three? And then we'll do three more on Thursday. Yes, yes. By the time that you're at step three, you're gonna want step four anyway. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Might as well take step six, and then ta-da, we're at step ten. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're drinking coffee Coke and it's just, um, it's the, everything's gone out the window. That's my latest thing. Coke. Have you seen it? (laughs) I've seen it. I'm I'm scared. I'm so scared. Have you uh, had it? Is it good? Everybody, Bruce does not take, I, so, um, so some people know I've, I've lost like 30 pounds over the last, uh, nine months. Yeah. Oh, not because. Well, I wasn't saying not because I'm vain because I'm super vain, but not because I was like, I'm diet 
I mean, I've always had fluctuations in my weight, but it's because my health. My doctor's like, so if you it's don't want to die, here's what you need oh. to do. Okay. So oh, I sh neat. shifted. That doesn't mean that I don't put crap in my body still. So <laughs> I discovered coffee Coke and it is good. Sell me. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is so good. I, I, it's it's the so I don't know if you ever do you ever watch uh, what was it crazy stupid love and and uh, one of the things there was okay so one of the lines that the the husband says to the to the wife and then gets repeated to the other person that he's messing with is you're the perfect combination of cute and sexy and uh, <laughs> coffee coke there you go and that's is, what, how you're describing your beverage. <laughs> The perfect. Yeah. I have I have probably an unhealthy relationship with my beverages. I, I I I this is a little product placement for Phil's coffee. I don't know if any you can't really oh, see yeah, the light. Yeah. I mean, I'm my 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 oldest child's like, when is Phil's coming to Minneapolis? I'm like, clearly Minneapolis is not cool enough for Phil's coffee, but oh. <laughs> Phil's like started here and then went to y'all and then changed. It. No, I have no idea. I have no idea. We have a lot. Anyway, of so yeah. Give coffee coke a chance. Well, it don't. It's probably it's like it's probably just eating the insides. I guess probably. But um, anytime you have to limit yourself to something, like I limit myself to at least just a one a day. Like I just yeah. can't do any more than that. Yeah, it's probably not good. Anyway, we digress. So, um, you're as you kind of thought about these things for the community. What like which ones are more difficult for you as you're thinking about? Here's here's the practices that I'm really speaking back to myself. Here are the ones that I I kind of inherently like these are the things that I'm really good at. Like for me, um, I do, I lead a silent um, prayer reflection every Tuesday night and I tell folks I'm not really doing it for them. I, like I need structured, like I have to do that every week. Otherwise I will not do it at all. Yeah. So that's there's the secret, isn't it? <laughs> sometimes it is. The secret, sometimes yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it is. So what, what in, as you were writing this, what are the things that like, oh yeah, this is sue me, super me. And these are things mm. like, ah, I've, I've, I've struggled with this. So I, it's funny you ask that question because one of the like real, I think risks that this book takes is that um, instead of, it would have been really easy for me to have like one book on just one of those chapters, right? Mm. Like one book mm. on worship, one book on centering marginalized voices, because that tends to be how, marketing is you know like yeah. what is this about it's about worship okay got it yeah. and you know like it's, it's a lot easier to sell that way but in terms of being useful to the community i wanted to create kind of this like language this the, these practices of how to be christian because in my case like it's definitely very seasonal there are yeah. some seasons when i'm doing a really good job keeping up with a small group or a, a close group of people and then there's some seasons where i'm like I'm going to go travel and I'll see you never, yes. you know, like yeah. when yeah. the wanderlust just kind of takes control. Right. And, um, and there are some seasons where I feel like I'm really like on a, on a steep incline for my leadership development mm -hmm. and I'm, and I'm uh, mentoring other people in that. And then there are other seasons where it's not. And so I wanted to give kind of the spectrum because people can kind of self-diagnose and self-reflect mm -hmm. on like, what is the season that I'm in now? And what does this say that some of these practices are coming a little bit more naturally than others? Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, how can we make adjustments, including 
becoming a pastor and then having people come to your <laughs> silent prayer time on Tuesdays. Yeah. You know, yeah. like there, if we can name it, if it can be in front of us, then we can make adjustments for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's always, I think our world wants us to be so unidimensional and, and that's just, we all know that that's not who we are and how we live, but like, you're right. It's, it's, it sells better. It's easier. It's clickable. It's all these things and it's harder work. And, yes. and I think that we're, what we're calling people to is the, the deep work of being community. Yes. You know, I, I, um, it, I think that's a good segue into, um, uh, this ass assessment and self-reflection. Uh, mm -hmm. So as folks know on this podcast, I love to talk to people, not just about whatever they're working on, but just like mm -hmm. other stuff, because we're all fully a lot of things. Like I'm, I'm a brander's worst nightmare because I <laughs> feel like I have a lot of things to say about a lot of things. And so I just, so I just start a podcast. That gets I think that's the nature that. of intersectionality though, right? Oh, yeah. like, sure. like the nature of like, being a whole person and being able to bring all of that to the table and all of that to the movement means mm -hmm. that there's not going to be easily identified categories. So yeah, I celebrate no, I think, that. I think you're right. I, I, that's why I've always had to have a job and write because I could never actually fully, <laughs> not all of us can be Barbara Taylor Brown. Who's oh, amazing. And I saw wrote your forward or your yes, or, or a endorsement endorsement. Yes. Well done. She said, well done. it's so bursting with energy for spirit-led justice that it makes me want to do over at being Christian. Oh, my gosh. I was I like, know. bless the Lord. Hallelujah. People read that as like, oh, interesting. So my, so my, my um, uh, Barbara Ted Brett uh, story is, uh, so in our denomination, I got elected moderator, which is kind of, a, kind of like your presiding bishop, I think. And... Um, uh, and for those of you that are not involved with churches, it's it's only a big deal to the people who are part of those churches. Otherwise, it, nobody else cares. So, uh, but it's a big deal in our, you know, in, in your like, I'm very important to a very small group of people. Right. So um, I was, I have, I think Barbara had a book that came out around the same mm -hmm. time, and you know, I was the youngest moderator ever elected, and so everybody was like excited. La, la, la. So we were at a couple of events together uh, mm -hmm. speaking, and she comes to me one time. She says, "Bruce, come here." I was like, "Yes, ma'am." And she says, Bruce, and I said, yes, she says, slow down. Mm. It's like, if you know Barbara, right, that's totally something she'd say. Yeah. And I'm like, you slow down, Barbara Brown. Okay. So, um, but that, I'm <laughs> Is always... that how you said it? Is that... <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's the I... mystical response. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wham, wham, wham. But I always remember because she mm. took the time and I genuinely felt like, like we didn't know each other well or right. anything, but she genuinely was like just observing my spirit and there was no judgment. It was yeah. just, you oh, just beautiful. Take a, take a breath, my friend. I'm like, okay. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Look around you. That car you're driving. That house your family lives in. Making your daughter laugh. Inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive. Teaching him he can be anything. All you. And your dreams for tomorrow. You'll do that too. 
Legacies don't just happen, they are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance, protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'll take that from Barbara. Deal. Anyway, <laughs> so where I was going yeah. before we went. I love was, that um, story, though. Was uh, So we're both into Enneagram, apparently. <laughs> I love it. Now, yeah, you're, a, you're a little more trained. You're more trained. I'm probably more dangerous. So we'll just I'm just going to own own that reality. I'm a certified coach for Gallup Strengths. So I love that. Oh. I do that as well. Um, yeah. But Enneagram. Cool. And as we were talking about this, I know now there's probably a segment that are like, oh, God, Enneagram, I'm going to turn this off now, you Enneagram people. And then there's a segment that are like, ears went bling. <laughs> yeah so uh why should people be open to the possibility uh, like when f- folks are like I, f- I hear about this enneagram thing yeah i hear yeah. you know about it yeah why? yeah what do you tell people? i just want to you know i want to address personally <laughs> the segment who is like oh my gosh enneagram people because it's half true. of the folks in enneagram circles are also like oh my gosh enneagram people like yeah, exactly. so many no, of us exactly. are also like, oh, rolling God. our eyes at enneagram <laughs> folks because i mean several decades ago the enneagram was like a, quite secret and quite personal like people didn't talk about it people didn't share about it because the concern was that if people only understood it on a shallow level people would misuse it and manipulate it yeah. and now like fast forward to like the like late 2018, 19, 20, all of a sudden the Enneagram is exploding. There's like Enneagram skits on YouTube and Enneagram Instagrammers, and you know, like yeah, tons of this. Oh. And uh, it, like it, um, it's helpful because it's getting the word out and the Enneagram does help transform a lot of people's lives. But it's not helpful because in the context of an Instagrammer, like the, the amount of change required or the amount of really confronting some of your own stuff required is so shallow that it kind of defeats the purpose of it and just becomes another box for people to put themselves in like and and people do this with strengths finders too oh yeah it's like when people are like oh i could never uh i could never help out with those details i'm a seven i can't do details and it's like that is (laughs) such a shallow (laughs) understanding of seven and i mean yeah similarly people in strengths finders are always like oh um Woo is so low on my strengths finders. I could never go and network at this thing. And it's like, get over yeah. yourself. You know, yeah. like yeah. That's <laughs> there's, so funny. Such, there's so much more out there. So, so, but tell me if, so if I, if I'm genuinely like, I, you're a trusted person, you're my pastor. I've been hearing, I've been seeing this stuff pop up on Instagram and I'm like, when is this stuff? But I know you trust it. So why, like, why should I engage in this in, in taking this assessment, mm-hmm. doing some reading, sitting down and talking with somebody, what good is that going to do me when I, can I just go talk to a therapist? And I, yes, that too. But this is also a helpful plan. Like, why, why should I take that time? Uh, yeah. I'm super pro therapy. So yeah, that's right. if the it's question is, or. do I go to a therapist <laughs> or not? The answer is yes. <laughs> always, always. But yes. um, as far as, yeah. So, one of the reasons why people get a little um, pissed off with the Enneagram is because they take this assessment and it's either like very confusing results or it's results that don't actually help. 
And that's because the assessments are built off of um, questions that try to make something concrete that's like very soft. Yeah. So like um, the Enneagram is a description of what motivates you, like the why for why you're doing this. And it's very difficult to test that in an assessment. So for example, it would be really easy if I were to ask you a behavioral question, like, did you make your bed this morning? Yes, no, right? Like you would know with 100% certainty what that is. But if I asked you, why did you make your bed or not make your bed this morning? Right. And I mean, you you'll be me slamming my... some coffee Coke before you- like, even... And you give me my two choices and I don't like either of those choices. Right, right. right. Yeah. So like it's intrinsically like, the assessment is there because they're trying to support people in, in figuring it out. But really, like, at most, the assessment should narrow it down to the top three. And then mm -hmm. the person taking it should go and read descriptions for all three and then see what kind of starts yeah. fitting and hold right. that really loosely. Right. Um, so I wanted to start yeah. with that. But second is, um, it'll, the Enneagram has allowed me to have so much more compassion for people who are so different from me. Yeah. Like the Enneagram says that there's nine types of people, you're one of them, and the other eight are like totally approaching the world from a completely different perspective. So when I was writing Staying Awake, or when I'm preaching, or when I'm creating pastoral care, I'm able to kind of sort through things like, okay, I'm a, I identify as a seven, I lead with a seven, how would a six receive this news? Mm -hmm. Or how would a three receive this sermon? Mm -hmm. Or how could a one get something from this workshop? And it just lets me think through like what other needs other people would need met in mm -hmm. anything that I'm creating. So, yeah. um, and that's that by the way, is why I have poetry and testimonies in my book, because there are some types that won't connect to the prose, but they will connect to the poetry. And that's right. like what we're trying to offer here. Yeah. That's great. No, I, I mean, I think I've, I've experienced the same again. I'm probably, um, I don't Enneagram my, my, I mean, I don't Instagram my Enneagram stuff and I don't create any of that kind of stuff, uh, but at the same time, I'm probably dangerous. Um, but what I found, <laughs> I have no doubt. Yeah. You know, what I, what I found is that it's just been like, I hold all of these assessments and personality like I hold them all lightly because I think there's something that they all allow us to explore about ourselves and other people. And I found for me, strengths um, and Enneagram have been the two that have been the most useful for me. And I, you know, for, so I'm, um, I'm a three and I, I definitely no greatly. I was like, okay, I see. Now I, I should say I had a deep hunch. I can never fully know until someone got, but I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Three. Got it. Check. Yep. Okay. Oh, what was that? You were 15 years old when you became head of the Presbyterian church. Okay. Yeah. I'm, tra I'm tracking. I'm tracking. That's the same thing that my brother, somebody is, somebody was talking to my brother. Like, did you think that um, your brother would be hold the office of uh, moderator? And he's like, uh, be in charge of everybody and tell everybody what to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Yeah. This seems on brand. This is totally on yeah, brand. I'm, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But I, but I, what I think, what I've been able to learn far later than any of us ever wants to learn about ourselves is where that becomes yeah. really dangerous and destructive and relationships because born out of some of the motivation that's not positive have tricked me into, you know, threes where our worth we get our worth from what we do and and what we achieve and 
meritocracy and you know the myth of all that that you have to realize at some point is like well it's actually not all that right, right? is is devastating but i know when i start getting stressed out I, my to-do list gets done really well because i'm just like well i'm, I'm good because yeah. i checked 10 things off my list right 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 right, right? And, and those things have when i talk with people about that i'm like that's what's helped me especially because I've had my most conflicts with nines who mm-hmm. are unhealthy when they're in, like yeah. I'm producing all this stuff coming right. at them and they're like, uh. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, get things done. And they're like, stop doing things. Like, <laughs> too much, too much. So yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a really profound story for two reasons. So one of them is, the Enneagram type always serves some purpose, right? Like you wouldn't hold on to it if at some point in your life being a three and getting a bunch of stuff done didn't help you in some sure. kind of way. Sure. So like, it's like, it's not that your type is the enemy. It's that it's like, it yeah. should be a passenger on the bus and it's taking the steering wheel on the bus, mm-hmm. right? But the second thing is that um, there are ways that we can es- try to escape ourselves but at the end of the day, we always pay the cost of that. Like, so I've had many threes tell me, I'll get a ton of stuff done in the day, feel kind of accomplished by the nighttime. And then the next morning, it's like the whole day is fresh. And I have to start off as if none of those accomplishments, I could have won a gold medal of the Olympics yesterday. Yeah, and the day yeah. after, I'm like, I have to get back to training. And like, that is, that is a relentless <laughs> hamster wheel that- I have no idea what you're talking about. And like- <laughs> Uh, sorry if I'm like outing you on your <laughs> podcast about this three energy, but like yeah. that is a hamster wheel that does not end except for spiritual practice. Oh yeah. And that's, and that's why we are doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I have to tell myself out loud often to stop doing stuff or to say, actually, if this doesn't get done, people are not going to die. Huh. Interesting. Huh. I, I'm not an actual doctor. I people's lives are not like the church office isn't an emergency room. It'll be okay. Oh. But but I think it's very American, right? It's very oh, yes. oh yeah. Like yeah, yeah. this urgent and I'm in the Silicon Valley where urgency is just everything. And so it's easy for me to not only buy into it, it's easy for me to thrive in that. And that's yeah. where I think I get into some trouble sometimes. It's like, now I didn't mean to, for you this to turn into. So Tyler's going to have a coaching session now with Bruce about his threeness. Well, you know, it's so but... fascinating though, Bruce, because I got trained in the in the narrative enneagram in Silicon Valley. And oh, really? So here I have people from Google, kind of saying, I mean, what a line that I liked yeah. a little bit ago that you said was like, intuitively, I know that something's not, something yeah. isn't going right in my life, and I don't know what it is because. I'm doing great at my job. I'm part of this like multi-billion dollar company, but like something is like profoundly not okay or yeah. profoundly not a well with my soul. And in the Enneagram um, doesn't necessarily help you fix that, but it helps you recognize some of those things yeah. so that you can take it to your spiritual work and really focus in on that. Yeah. Oh, we could talk about Enneagram forever, but I want to get to two things that you mentioned before that I have no idea what you're going to be talking about. So right. I, when, when I asked you, I was like, so what are some things you're interested in? You're like, you're super into whiteboards. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Listen. 
like just a whiteboard that you write up? Like I was like, is that code for something that I don't? I'm too old to know. Whiteboard. About. I was like, what is it? I'm gonna find out. What's a whiteboard? It's a, it's a pill that people take at dance clubs. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's um, like I there's a there's a coffee shop in Chicago that is lined with whiteboards from floor to ceiling, and then there's like little just like whiteboards, the whiteboards. Dry, dry just like erased. dry erased whiteboards. Okay. Right? Yeah, okay. And yeah. I was like, this is what I want my entire life to be like, <laughs> because I have like so many ideas and so many connections uh, and yeah. so many like I'm just and. Like I'm an Enneagram seven for, for folks who follow the Enneagram stuff. So it's like, yeah, again, shocking way. I know right this here. is going to blow your mind. Yeah. <laughs> so like just writing stuff on the wall and really like externalizing the like carnival that is constantly going on in my brain is actually like a precursor to meditation for me mm. or a precursor mm. to prayer. So it's like, I have to externalize these things. And I will like clear an entire forest worth of paper if I use paper. So I just need to like, I have literally like whiteboard surfaces like pasted onto my walls. And then I just uh, write down the ideas and then I can uh, find my time so, with God. So do you, uh, are your whiteboards, like if I were to do a whiteboard, I would get the the, the long black string tape and section off and... <laughs> Who are you talking to? Long section. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I'd be like, okay, here's my five ideas. Here's my blogging whiteboard. Here's my next book no, whiteboard. No, 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 no. That because like my personality is built around making interesting connections, and so like okay. if things are too siloed, it's like ah, but then we're losing the juice. So uh, okay. like, well, if you put it, but you put the put the whiteboards on Velcro, then you can move wow. them around. Wow. Wow. Okay. I got, I got you solutions. just opened up a whole can of my life. <laughs> I'm going to disappear for a week and just figure out how to do that. I'll be back <laughs> when things right. get better. So hey. while you're away, you're going to have to eat. So, so the other thing you mentioned to me, uh, this is really funny to do, is like your way into peanut butter. What is that? Like, oh my like just. Gosh. What like, is there not to like? You know, it's so like, is it. So do you make yeah. your own? Well, okay. Um, when the situation demands. So I used to live in Ecuador and um, peanut butter is a, not a thing in Ecuador. If anything, okay. it's like a very rare ingredient that you use as a base of one particular soup, but it is okay. not like a snack. And so okay. I had, a, I had um, my friend, I went to like a gringo like shop and got a little bit of peanut butter and I had my Ecuadorian friend taste it. And they're like, it's salty and creamy. And Why would you want that? And I'm no. like, <laughs> listen, like from the, for the rest of my life, I will just be a defender. Of, you know, <laughs> well, but creamy. So are you creamy or crunchy? The whole I, I any of them. I don't, yeah, I don't discriminate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and my nut butters, almond butter is also good. Cashew butter, but it's just expensive. But. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I'm a vegetarian and like when push comes to shove, sometimes you just need like a quick source of protein that you can roll in a tortilla and then go and dance around your whiteboards. And roll, <laughs> roll in a tortilla. I mean, that to makes total sense. There's not, but it just, it's a strange combination of, oh, I'm yeah, not man. sure. I, We're so what I do, I, because I must be a Labrador in my other, so I just take a big old spoon and try to make it into a ball, and then I just sit on the couch yes, and the just Lord. like 
slowly yes. eat at it. It's so gross. I'm sure that is like the dogs looking at me going, so- dude, that's gross. <laughs> that is one and a half steps away from putting it into like a Kong. And then like <laughs> what's, what's what's dad doing? Oh mom just put just, peanut butter in the Kong and he just does noise. Mom was like he, we needed to distract him for an hour, so we're just gonna give it to him. Like, this is third one today. <laughs> He's not gonna eat dinner now. He's not gonna eat dinner now, but like it's okay. At least I I could get onto Zoom without being interrupted. Oh my goodness! Uh, who knew we were gonna go to Bruce eating a Kong off the Same. living room floor? It's the Holy Spirit. I'm telling I'm you. I'm telling you. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we're almost. We're almost out of time. So I want to get to the last few questions. I always ask every sure. guest. I'm, this has been so much fun. Thank you for being here. Uh, so, what are you listening to? What are you reading? And what are you watching? Yeah. So I'm really into. Um, so I'm the kind of person who listens to like a million songs one time, and then I find one <laughs> that I like, and then I listen to that one song. I thousand times oh my, my youngest um, child who's above room is above ours uh-huh. and just has a speaker loud enough that we just hear the bass <laughs> oh does that anyway sorry i didn't mean to and it's like wow this is what this is what we signed up for yeah so right now i um am really into a song called pray for real which has chance the rapper and peter cottontail but it's just like this very chill smooth vibe that's talking about prayer but mm. in a in a, a way that isn't so like high and holy so i am mm-hmm. non-stop listening to that's that that's on repeat huh in between like not like i have to wear headphones because my boyfriend's like please please stop. <laughs> please like um and then also of course hamilton the musical because there hasn't been a day since 2015 that i haven't listened to hamilton the musical so there it is. Are you a are you a Lin Manuel fan just in general or that one? Yeah, I know. So our family is my family is a little spoiled. So all of my kids, uh, you know, my my eldest identifies as non binary, and I have two mm-hmm. two daughters. Mm-hmm. Then and uh, but we're a super musical family, mm-hmm. musicals family, I should say. Yes. Uh, and so I always have to remind them, like, not every child gets to rank their musicals. <laughs> this is not something that everybody gets to do but we're super excited for in the heights it's coming out in just two months oh my gosh can't wait if i Cannot told you that wait. i was listening to um in the heights songs to memorize them in preparation for the movie today would it would i get kicked off this podcast well i <laughs> I, I would only be disappointed that you didn't already have the memory i know right I was obsessed with it. And then and then it really dropped out when Hamilton came along. Yeah, that's true. And then it yeah. like resurged in my life. Like, so this good. is such so a beautiful. And really, Hamilton, I'm sorry, In the Heights is a musical about gentrification oh. in a way that isn't heavy handed at all. And I think oh, that yeah. that's such a beautiful vision for how we can do justice, like allowing art to create a world that we actually want to live in and we want to fall in love with these characters. So. That could yeah. be a whole nother podcast, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, yeah, we fortunately got to see that a couple of times and just, oh, so yes. good. So good. Anyway. Uh, all right. So that's realistic. What are you reading? Um, my book to make sure I can remember the chapter <laughs> titles. <laughs> no, I'm, um, I'm reading a, a book called the making of Asian America by Erica Lee. She's a, mm-hmm. a Asian American historian. And um, I've, 
it, I've really been amazed to see how the Asian American story, all the way from like Chinese exclusion, 1882, all the way through uh, incarceration camps, 1940s, like all of those dynamics are very alive and present for Asian America still. And it's ju it's just not really, I mean, with the shootings that happen in Atlanta, like mm -hmm. all of that has deep tectonic plates of, of cultural um, appropriation yeah. and cultural abuse that have been yeah. against Asian Americans. So yeah, I'm obsessed is that, with that. Is that something that you've, you know, always, always known about kind of up here and are now kind of diving in, or is this something you've been involved with much more? I was an Asian American studies major in college and because oh, no school kidding. That I went to, we were able to, you know, and Filipinos are super, uh, I don't, how do I say it? like, we're always like, we're actually the first Asians that got here because we have Manila men that jumped off in, uh, in Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah, right. So we're always like, yeah, 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 we know, but we're really the first, you know, right. so anyway, there's all that internal Asian stuff, but well, I mean, I think that there's been an interesting time now. I mean, was that something that what you were taught early on? I mean, did you have to get into it yourself? I mean, did your fan like, where did that identity yeah. piece come in for you? I really felt like I, so my dad is from Hong Kong. My mom is a white woman from Minnetonka, Minnesota. Minnetonka. And, oh yeah. And um, I really felt like my family system prepared me as an Asian American in prepared me as a, a like a child understanding of Asian America. And then once I left home, it was kind of my job to become an adult mm. in Asian America. So mm. growing up, of course, I knew about dim sum. Of course, I knew about right. Chinese New Year. Of course, I knew about anime, like right. all of the things that a, a child in Asian America would know. Yeah. But um, I, in terms of like critical race theory, in terms of history, right. in terms of like representation and understanding why we never see Asian Americans in media, all of that stuff came uh, when I was an adult. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's, um, man, there's a lot of stuff going on. But uh, all right, so last question is, uh, what are you watching? Um, I just finished watching, um, what is it called? Unorthodox. Oh, yeah. Which is a yeah. four-part, really interesting thing on uh, a, a not Hasidic. Is it Hasidic? A, 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 a Jewish community mm. in uh, New York. So lots of really interesting themes about gender, uh, sexuality, finding a new way. I don't know if I totally agree with all of their power analysis, but it, it just sure. nonetheless, it was really, really good. Oh, and have you seen Crip Camp? The movie Crip Camp? It's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it's on my list. I've not seen it yet, but everybody was telling me, like friends that I trust have said, yes, you need to watch this. Like I finished it. I had to watch it in three sittings because of how oh, really? like intense it was but i really really appreciate the artistry that went into that documentary huh. um so so yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people that you so i have a, a my, my middle kid is a, a political science and asian american studies major in college and so she's right now in all these like let's watch this and let's watch and i'm like can i just watch the new godzilla king kong movie <laughs> <laughs> what about avengers can i just watch the irregulars <laughs> Amazing. Because I, I, there are times, like, I still have never watched, I don't know if you remember the movie Precious. Oh, yeah. Like, I still can't watch it. I'm just like, I I just feel like it's there's so trauma. much emotional investment. And I feel like, yeah, there's just, like, so I'm, I'm totally that, but it was like, it's how about we watch the sure. Avengers series? Yeah, like... <laughs> Like, I want to read about some of this stuff. I don't know if I want to watch some of the trauma it's stuff like, until after COVID is done. But then again, it's, I think it's so interesting because I'm seeing media become both like more willing to show trauma 
and yeah. less willing to less show willing, trauma. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like super intense stuff or like Great British Bake Off where it's just like <laughs> everything is frosting. So yeah. I, this, and have you seen the British flower arranging one? Oh, have I seen the British oh, flower arranging one? Only two episodes. But yeah, I, I it's like, like we're just talking about flowers, you know? <laughs> like, like, yes, Minneapolis not, is burning down, but flowers, you know? Like look it's, what it's, I did with this like, cornucopia. Yeah. And honestly, like a lot of folks from uh, marginalized communities that uh, that I pastor with are like, I really need that as just a buffer oh, yeah. in my life. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not shaming that at all, but oh, I, yeah. I just think it's funny that uh, there's such a bifurcation there. Yeah. But yeah, anyways. Okay. Well, cool. Awesome. Well, that is it for today. Uh, but before we leave, Ty, why don't you tell folks how you, how folks can connect with you, drop us all the links and handles and all that kind of stuff and let folks. So how do we connect with you? Yes. So uh, all the links to buy my book, this, uh, staying awake, the gospel for change makers. All of those uh, links are on tylersit.com. You can find me on Instagram at tylersit, and I'm on Facebook, Tyler Sit. And I do have a Twitter, but I'm never on it because it <laughs> destroys my soul. So follow <laughs> me on Instagram, and we'll go from there. But awesome. Cool. All right. Well, everybody, well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of BRC and Friends. Thanks again to Tyler Sit for hanging out today. Be sure to pick up his book, Staying Awake, The Gospel for Change Makers. Uh, remember, in addition to going to your preferred podcast space, um, you want to subscribe, review, and rate this podcast. You can also watch on YouTube and Instagram. As always, you can connect with me on all of the socials at at B. Reyes Chow. Again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode of BRC and Friends. BRC and Friends was produced, written, recorded, and edited by Bruce Reyes Chow with zero help from his dog Vespa. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to BRC and Friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please follow, like, tag, and share on all the platforms via BRCANDFRIENDS. Thanks for listening to BRC and Friends. All around the world, poverty is stealing choices from kids. It's time to give those choices back. Introducing Chosen, World Vision's new invitation to sponsorship. For the first time, kids have the power to choose their own sponsors. Now the choice is theirs. The choice to take hold of their future. And even the choice to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Learn more at worldvision.org chosen. All around the world, poverty is stealing choices from kids. It's time to give those choices back. Introducing Chosen, World Vision's new invitation to sponsorship. For the first time, kids have the power to choose their own sponsors. Now the choice is theirs. The choice to take hold of their future. And even the choice to step into a life-changing relationship with you. Learn more at worldvision.org chosen.